All right, hello and welcome back to another episode of Just a Girl from Cleveland. This is episode 140. It feels like it's been years since the football season ended, even though it has literally been just over one week since the Super Bowl. Uh, It feels like much, much longer than that. Already miss it, but I still have some interesting things to get into today. I want to talk about a little NBA All-Star, and then also I put out a question box on Instagram um, for just any mailbag questions about the Browns this offseason, and I feel like I got a good range of questions to get into today to, to just, you know, spur some conversation about where this team is is going in the future. You know, it's interesting because if it was this team, you know, maybe five plus years ago, you would think that the focus of conversation would be just really the draft. Um, but we just have some larger questions with this team now about um, obviously the quarterback position and just the general direction you go when you become a contender like the Browns are and when you're really all in in the way that they are. I think the the questions kind of change rather than who do you take with, you know, the fourth pick in the draft. Uh, that's, uh, that's not our jam anymore. So um, definitely lots to get into there. Um, I want to start with NBA All-Star stuff. So I watched some, not all, of the events of the weekend. Um, it's it's interesting because I think so many people have so much nostalgia for NBA All-Star from their childhood. I know I personally have a lot of nostalgia with like the slam dunk contest, which I think is the one thing people always remember from from growing up and just how cool the slam dunk contest was. And it feels like it's definitely lost some of its luster and excitement um, that was around it during those years. But um, it is kind of natural, I think, for things to change and evolve like that. So I don't expect it to feel the same. I also think Maybe this is just part of getting older as you like project certain things from your childhood that were so cool and exciting then and maybe are still really cool and exciting to kids, but you're a grown adult now, so it's not as cool and exciting. I think that could be a little part of it too. Um, but overall, I, I just don't like get as excited for these All-Star Weekends as I used to. Uh, I think my favorite part of the weekend probably was the Steph versus Sabrina three-point contest. I think most people wanted to tune into that just to see how it was going to go. And it ended up obviously being super competitive. Like Sabrina went first and, you know, with the score that she had, she would have been in the finals of the general three-point competition for um, that NBA players. So I I thought that was um, really impressive considering she was shooting from the men's line, um, which I think there was a lot of speculation leading up to it on whether she would shoot from the women's line or the men's line. She did shoot from the men's line, which was really cool for her to hit 26. Obviously, Steph Curry is still Steph Curry and just does unreal things um, and ended up beating her. But I really enjoyed it, and I think they need to build on the excitement that people felt around watching a new and interesting competition like that and hopefully take that into next season, whether it's doing you know the same thing of having a three-point contest between a WNBA and NBA player 
Or it could, you know, even evolve beyond that. Maybe you bring in more women's players to do some different competitions against the men. Like, I just think it would be um, really interesting. It could be even be like a, a team three-point contest where you have two women versus two men. I don't know. There, there's so many ways they could go with it. But I think the most conversation I saw on social media from All-Star was surrounding, you know, the couple minutes that was the competition between the two of them. So, um I think that is always a good thing when you're drawing eyes and attention. And, you know, it was for good reason because it was competitive and interesting. And, um, you know, it wasn't some some blowout where Steph was far better than Sabrina. A lot of people were like, Sabrina might do this after she she went first. Um, So that was um, that was really fun. Um, And then I think the conversation that happens every single year, this isn't just a this year thing, every single year after the All-Star game is, Nobody's trying. Nobody plays any defense. This is a horrible basketball game. We need to change this and make it better. Um, And quite honestly, I'm kind of at the point with the All-Star game where I just don't know if there is anything you can exactly do um, to change the game. Uh, And that just has to do with the current state of professional sports in general. I think um, with how much money these guys make and the injury risk that is at play if you're going all out in a game that doesn't actually matter for your team, uh, there is just not enough benefit there for them to, you know, want to go out there and play extremely hard. Uh, I think, you know, there's... There's an interesting model with what the MLB has done that I think has worked pretty well for them, which is giving the home field advantage to whichever team, the American League or the National League, wins, gets home field advantage in the World Series. Um, I think that has worked really well for them, and I think it's created a, a at least somewhat of a competitive environment, especially if you've got you know, guys out there, which you definitely do, who are going to be playoff contenders, potentially in the World Series. Those guys are going to want to play a little harder if things are close and they're going to want to get it done so that they can potentially have that home field advantage when it comes to it. Um, And I think, um, you know, maybe the the NBA can apply something similar uh, to what the MLB has done. I still don't know if I think that would create the same level of competition, because I just think the risk of injury and playing like an all out basketball game and the endurance it takes to do that is a little bit different than baseball. Like I think some guys in the MLB all-star game can kind of get away with, you know, maybe just hanging around in the field and not doing too much. um, So they're not like risking a ton out there. I think it's a little bit different when you're out there sprinting full court back and forth during an NBA game. Um, So I'm not sure if it's like this one-to-one comparison, but I just think that's something maybe they could start thinking about are are ways um, you can make it more competitive that give them a true advantage and a true incentive to want to win. Um, but because other than that, it's just going to keep going. It's too risky for them. They they want to stay healthy. It is February at this point. They're two months away from playoffs. It's not worth it to ruin things. So um, I, I get it from their perspective. And and they make so much money at this point. Like this is not the you know a hundred years ago in sports in in football specifically. I, I know obviously the NBA hasn't been around as as long. Um, but I just think. 
at the time, guys, you know, in the early years were not making the crazy money that they make today. So little bits of incentives were a big deal for them. And, you know, making that kind of money actually had made a difference in their lives. Now, these additional incentives, I, I think even if they threw a little bit more money at them, I'm not sure how much it would do for these guys who are the all-stars, who are the top players um, in the league who are already making the most money. I don't know how much it'll do for them. Um, I think, you know, in the in-season tournament, obviously they gave the, you know, monetary compensation for winning the in-season tournament. And I think that worked because it benefited a lot of the the end of the bench guys on the roster, the guys who don't get a lot of minutes, the guys who have maybe been two-way players in the league and aren't making as much money, um, and the players who do make more money wanted to help those other guys be able to get that incentive. So I think it worked in that sense. I don't know if it works when you have all of the guys who are making top dollar um, out there competing. So, you know, not everything, I guess, needs to be fixed. I'm kind of at the point with it where I'm like, I'm not going to get mad about it every single year and feel angry about it. It just kind of is what it is. And you got to got to deal with it um, and just kind of enjoy the little moments like the Sabrina versus Steph and those things to to get you through the weekend. Um, okay, now I want to get into the Browns mailbag questions. So let's see, how many questions did I have here? Looks like I had seven different questions that I ended up selecting for this mailbag conversation. Kind of grouped them um, based on similar topics. So I'm going to start with quarterback questions here. I had kind of two overall questions that were specifically about the quarterback that I'm going to answer. So the first one was, can the Browns really trust Deshaun Watson at quarterback? The second was, do they look at backup quarterback options after all of the injuries in 2023? So these, I think, kind of go hand in hand in some ways. Um, But starting with just Watson in general at quarterback, look, obviously at this point in time, I think the answer is that they still have some questions about Deshaun Watson. The injury came this season that ended his season came at a very um, tough time in terms of the knowledge that you had about Deshaun Watson as a, a quarterback in the present day, not the quarterback that he used to be, but the quarterback in the present day. You had finally seen a glimmer from him of hope and the talent that he had showed. And then he is gone for the season. Um, You have yet to see Deshaun Watson in a Cleveland Browns uniform display any type of consistency throughout the course of a season, which is really hard. Obviously, that's for a variety of reasons, whether it is suspension, whether it is injury. Um, He has not been able to play a full season as a Cleveland Brown and be like, this is who he is. This is what we got here. Um, So I think, no, they are not at this level where they really trust him. Um, And I think that stems back to you know, all of the moves that Kevin Stefanski made this offseason in terms of his offensive coaching staff. I think he made a lot of moves knowing that he needs to get the best out of Deshaun Watson. That is the current goal right now. Um, and that is why he is doing the things he he has, like bringing in a Ken Dorsey uh, to try to give Deshaun the best situation possible to find success. Um, I think knowing all of that and knowing that you do want to set Deshaun up for success, you do also have to take into context what has happened and think about 
what you are going to do at backup because I don't think that you can just say DTR backup and we're just going to go with that and that's it. I, I don't think you can go into the season confident doing that. So I do think that they look at some other contingency plans for a backup quarterback to be behind Deshaun Watson, um, knowing that he struggled with injury history and just struggled in general. I think you want to have maybe a more veteran presence behind him rather than just a DTR who is still learning and still finding his way. Obviously, we saw that this past season. Um, I think I would consider bringing back Joe Flacco or even a Jacoby Brissett who have had experience in Cleveland who were you know, well-liked within the organization and within the locker room. Um, I'd be curious about bringing in those two in terms of like how Deshaun would feel about that and how messy that could get because those two are so beloved within the locker room. And let's say things start to turn and go a little bit bad for Deshaun and everyone's clamoring for a Jacoby or a Flacco if they are on the bench. I think that could start to really get in Watson's head. And I think he has shown that things do get to him. He, you know, he feels when when fans aren't um, celebrating him and feeling good about him. So, you know, it would concern me a little bit. I'd like to think that as a starting quarterback who is making $230 million guaranteed, you'd have the confidence in those moments to be like, I am the starter. This is my team. I'm not going to be worried about the guy behind me. But I think that is something that they do need to think about. Um, those two I would consider bringing in. I think it would just depend on the price that they'd have to pay for them. I don't think they want to shelve out top dollar for a backup quarterback. Um, I think another interesting choice that they don't want to give a ton of money for that position would be a Mitch Trubisky Someone like him, he was just released from the Steelers. He has ties and history in Cleveland. Obviously, he is from here. Um, so I think that would make sense or someone similar to him if you don't want to um, pay out as much money. Um, I'm, I think that's one of the things I'm more interested to see this offseason is what direction they go in with that. And they might kind of just wait and see more so and, and how the, the market kind of falls um, with all the different quarterback movement that happens and questions that are still out there. I think they might want to wait and, and see what's left, I, I guess, when, when some of the bigger decisions are made. Uh, okay, next question is... What is the future for Amari Cooper? So, gosh, this came up quickly because obviously when we signed him, we it was a trade from the Cowboys and we took the remainder of his deal, um, which at that point in time was, I believe, three years left on his deal. Uh, so his contract goes through 2024, came up very quickly here. The Browns added two void years to, to the end of his deal, but his actual deal comes up in 2024. Um, I think I am at the point where I would strongly, strongly consider re-signing him to another deal. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with the lack of receiver talent on the rest of this roster. Um, I think the Browns are really good at kicking the can down the road with money, and if they re-sign him, they can kind of restructure and, and move that money around. I just think I'd have a hard time walking away from him right now, knowing what we have in the rest of that locker room. And we just talked about how important it is to set your quarterback up for success. And if you are leaving him with, you know, 
very little talent in that wide receiver group, I think that's going to be a, a huge problem. Look, as much as I would like to have a Patrick Mahomes level talent on the team that can take very mediocre receiver talent and go out there and win football games. Deshaun Watson has not proved to be that in a Cleveland Browns uniform. So we need to surround him with talent right now um, to try to get the best out of him. And I'd like to um, continue that with Amari. He's played well with anyone from Flacco to Jacoby, who I just mentioned. Um, You know, he and Deshaun haven't perfectly clicked yet, but he has been a good option for him when he's out there. He's had two 1,000 plus yard seasons with the Browns, um, which never happens, especially back to back like that. Um, so I, uh, I definitely would like to keep him around and I think they, they try to find a way to get that done. Uh, another wide receiver question, which I think, um, has been a very popular, um, free agent question is what is the percent chance that the Browns signed T Higgins? I have been personally interested in, in this question because I, I mean, I think T would be a great person to have on this team. Obviously, extremely talented, uh, is in a weird situation right now with the Bengals where um, the Bengals aren't great at being able to spend money and they have Jamar Chase's contract coming up. Um, not as soon as people think. I feel like people make it seem like Jamar Chase's contract is coming up like this year. They're going, you know, Jamar Chase has a fifth, fifth year option because he was a first round pick. So his contract will be up in 2026. So they do have a little bit of time on him, um, which does make me wonder if they do still try to get something done with T, knowing that they have a little bit of time to get something done with Jamar. Um, But at the same time, like I said, the Bengals aren't really known for paying a bunch of guys like that, especially paying two receivers top dollar. I just, I don't know if I see them going in that direction. But, you know, when when you have a quarterback like Joe Burrow, you kind of have to start making some of those those tough decisions. You paid Joe Burrow and now it's like, okay, who are we going to keep around him? Because you decided that Joe Burrow was the level of talent where you, you were going to be able to put lesser guys around him and still find success. So very interested to see what happens there. But if he is available, I would highly consider going after him and, and seeing if they can get something done. Um, so who knows? I, I don't think the percent chance is high though. I don't even know if I can assign it an actual percent. Like, I feel like it's probably 10 to 20%. Like it's, it's low, low that he even becomes available, um, that they even sign him. I think on the Browns is even lower than that. So we will see. Um, okay. Last two questions are running back specific questions. Um, okay, so the first one is, what do the Browns do with Nick Chubb coming off of major knee surgery and is 28 years old? Um, interestingly enough, today I feel like there was a lot of chatter about this because a couple NFL insiders, reporters, just beat writers in general um, have been talking about this a lot recently. Um, and this isn't new news. I think we've known this about Nick Chubb. Um, and his contract in general, and then just knowing the injury that happened, that there were going to be some questions coming into this offseason. So his cap hit for 2024 is almost $16 million. Uh, pretty massive for a guy that is coming off of this type of injury. We already know he is going to miss weeks of the season. Um, so that that's a lot of money to pay for a running back at his age with his injury status. 
if the Browns cut him, they would only take on four million in dead cap, um, in dead money. So I, I think that's not as big of a burden as um, you know maybe some people think it is. Look, I am sure that Chubb wants to be back, and I'm sure that Andrew Barry also would like him to be back. So I. I guarantee the conversations are happening about what a restructure looks like because I think that is the only way that he is on this team next season is if a restructure happens. Um, And I'm just hoping that everyone can come to some sort of agreement uh, because it would be really sad if that, that was the way his career ended in Cleveland was with a brutal injury against the Pittsburgh Steelers on, on Thursday night football, or it was Monday night football, I believe actually. Monday night football. Um, it would it would suck to have it go that way. But I think um, it's right for people to be asking the question because I think it's definitely the question that's being asked in the building right now when you have uh, that kind of money being paid. Um, it would be sad though because I think the fan base would feel really bummed out about that. And Nick Chubb has been a guy that a lot of people have been able to rally around for gosh, so many seasons now as kind of the face of the franchise in a way of like, put your head down and work and constantly be giving to the team. He's not about himself. He is just about contributing in any way possible to winning and has gotten respect for that across the entire league. So um, he is such a part of who, of the identity of the team that I, I would hate to see him go that way. And I know the whole city would hate to see him go that way too. So everyone work to get it done. Andrew Barry, Nick Chubb's agent. Let's make it happen. (laughs) Um, Okay. Oh, I actually had two two more questions. I said I only had one more running back question, but I have a running back question and then one other kind of general team question. So last running back question is what happens to Kareem Hunt? Um, I think for Kareem Hunt, you kind of have to first see what the market is for him. I'm I'm really not sure what it's going to be considering what it was this last offseason where he talked to a couple teams, but um, nothing really ever got done and then obviously joined the Browns later in the season after everything happened with Nick. Um, look, I think part of what was so good for Kareem in Cleveland this, this season was that he didn't have to have the wear and tear on him of all over the summer training camp of the preseason of a couple games into the season. He kind of got to come in later at a at a healthier point and be able to contribute. And he really did. He did better than I thought he was going to, honestly. He was a reliable target in the red zone. Um, he, you know, became a bigger staple, I think, of the run game than we thought because I think the hope was that Jerome Ford was going to be able to start shining with Nick Chubb out, and that was not the case. So it was kind of a a rotating group of running backs, and he was a really important part of it. So, um, you know, I think it's definitely something to consider bringing him back. I think you always have to remember he is going to have the potential of multiple injuries throughout a season because that's where he is with his age and just his history as a player. Um, So it's not someone you want to overpay for, but I think um, that is a route they can go if when the chips fall, he is still available um, and they haven't made any other moves at running back. I think something that I have considered this offseason is that they might draft a running back. So I think that'll come into play as well if they choose to draft a guy and really want to 
give more of the mileage to him. I'm I'm not 100% sure. Um, so I think that's going to be a big factor as well. I don't think this is a decision they need to rush into in any way. Um, and I'm sure if it all worked out, Kareem would be happy to be back here. We know he loves being in Cleveland. So um, we, we will see. Okay, last question was, will the Browns use a franchise tag on anyone this year? I thought that was a good question. Um, I don't think there is anyone on the Browns this year that is worthy of a franchise tag. I think a franchise tag is a really tough thing to use because um, obviously you have to do it strategically um, in terms of the player you're using it on because I think it is a big hit to the ego in a lot of ways. Um, one, because, you know, at that point, obviously a player is wanting a a long-term deal. Um, that's the reason a lot of times a franchise tag is used is because you don't want to let the player walk, but you're not ready to sign them to what they would like to be signed for yet. Um, and you haven't gotten that done. So I think, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a hit to the ego on the player in a lot of ways. And it's something that you don't want to use just for for whatever reason like you want to be really careful about who you're using that on um and i think it hurts for the players as well because the the big reason they want those long-term deals is because of the the protection within that if they do get injured having some of that guaranteed money in there if you're on the franchise tag that's just a franchise tag for one season there is no um additional incentives beyond that so um, I think that is a struggle for a lot of them, and I get it. You never know if your career could end tomorrow and you want to be able to have it be as long as possible. So um, I, I think it makes a lot of sense for players to be upset by that. Um, so I don't think you just throw it on anyone, and I don't think it makes sense for anyone that the Browns currently have. I think where they're going to have to pay more attention to the franchise tag is how other teams decide to use the franchise tag for potential free agents that they would maybe want to target that ended up getting tagged by a team. Um, I think T. Higgins, honestly, is someone that could get tagged. I don't know um, if that'll actually happen, but something to keep an eye on. Um, and then potentially maybe some other targets they would have at edge or offensive line. Those guys can get tagged a lot of the time. I feel like those are um, common positions for that to happen, especially edge. I feel like edge players are getting tagged quite a bit. So I think um, I am I'm interested to see where that goes for for free agent targets more so than within the Browns organization. Um, okay, so that is all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. A little bit of a random episode today, but still wanted to get something out to all of you. Um, if you could share this with a friend, I would appreciate it. Follow, subscribe, leave a review, rating. Uh, definitely subscribe on the YouTube. Keep please subscribing on the YouTube. It means a lot to me. Um, leave comments there. I very much appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, go Browns.